Good morning. morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Some of you are wondering who I am. Well, my name is Dan, and um, Dan McLaughlin, and uh, here to uh, bring the word to you this morning. I serve at our network office uh, right down the road here um, at our New York Ministry Network, and uh, grateful to be with you uh, this morning and uh, to share the word of God. Uh, If you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, just so you know a little bit about me and who I am. Uh, uh, again, my name is Dan. I uh, actually grew up in the Syracuse area. Uh, lived here until I was 14 years old. And uh, about 20 years ago, my family moved away to western New York and uh, served at churches uh, in Connecticut as well as Niagara Falls. And uh, just last year, our family moved back t- uh, to Syracuse to be uh, at our network office. Um, so grateful, grateful to be back in the area. Uh, my wife and I have six children. Uh, this is my oldest right here. This is Amos. He is going to be 11 in two weeks. Uh, we have four boys, two girls, so ages uh, 10, 9, 7, 5, 3, and 1. Uh, and I know the big question on your mind is, are you done? Uh, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, my wife is actually eight and a half months pregnant. She is due uh, in a week and a half. And uh, so I left her home this morning uh, so that she could continue to rest as she gets ready for, uh, ready for the big day, but we're expecting number seven. So if you are a praying Christian, you can add our family to your prayer list. It is a daily struggle for sanity. Uh, but it is great. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, and uh, I have uh, been talking to uh, David Hurtwick about this series that you're in. Uh, what is the gospel? And he asked me to continue to be a part of this series, so I'm excited to uh, talk with you this morning about how the gospel affects all of creation. Would you just pray with me this morning as we begin? Father, this morning we thank you so much. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. And God, we thank you for the redemptive and restorative work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, this morning we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds Uh, and uh, our understanding, Lord, uh, to draw closer to you in a greater way as a result of understanding your gospel in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, How many of you have have ever been overwhelmed with the awareness that our world is not as it should be? (laughs) Have you been there? Have you been there? (laughs) Our world is not... Our world is not as it should be. Now, our culture is such that uh, we become so individualistic and so self-centered that usually when we realize the world is not as it should be, it's because something is happening uh, personally in our lives that is not as it should be. We wake up and uh, we have a bad hair day and we say the world is not as it should be. This is not right. Uh, maybe you run out of milk in the fridge uh, maybe you get up and, 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 and your car doesn't start in the morning. You ever had that day where your car doesn't start and you're like, what is wrong with my life today? Uh, maybe you have a bad day at work. Maybe your boss is mean to you. Maybe your team loses the Super Bowl. No. My team actually won the Super Bowl, so I'm not gonna, I am not won't get into that today. All right. But, but our culture is such where we become so individually focused that usually we realize the world is not as it should be when it's something personal. In our lives. But if we actually step back and we begin to look outside of ourselves, we realize that the world is not as it should be in many other ways as well. 
We still live in a world that despite all of our technological advances and all of our advances in society and all of our advances in business, our world still deals with wars and genocide and human rights violations. We still live in a world where where racial tensions are high, even in our own country today, we see it. We live in a world that still has not overcome poverty. We live in a world where women are still sold into sex slavery. We live in a world where uh, people are facing incurable diseases. We live in a world where families are broken and torn apart. And we live in a world where we see people suffering from addictions. And the list can go on and on and on and on as we step back and we begin to see the brokenness in our world. And we say, the world is not as it should be. But when we look at the scope of the work of the gospel, we understand that the brokenness in our world actually extends even further. It extends to everything, to all of creation. All of creation is not as it should be. When we look at our physical world, we see that there is erosion. There is decay. There is death. We see natural disasters. We see hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, earthquakes that bring devastation. We see famines, droughts, and floods that bring destructions to whole communities. When we look and we think about the work of the gospel, our scope has to be enlarged, not just to us personally or to even us as a society or us as a world, but to the entirety of creation experiences this brokenness. We see that in the very first pages of Scripture in the book of Genesis uh, that... It begins with a creation narrative, and we're given a glimpse into the incredible creative power of God when he formed the world. The Apostle John actually write about, writes about this. He says, through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. It's Apostle John talking about uh, the work of Jesus in creation, but he's saying everything in our world, everything that exists, everything that we see and that we don't see is, is a product of of the creative force of a creator God. So, so from the stars and the sun and the moon to the planets, uh, to the oceans, to the mountains, to the rivers, uh, to the birds, to the fish, to the trees, uh, from our solar system to our ecosystem, from the most grand cosmic wonders of the universe all the way down to the smallest particles that we cannot even see, the molecules and the atoms. God created it all. It is the product of the creative force of a creator God who created it with a single command, with a single word. And this world was perfect. This world was perfect. There was no pain in this world that God created. There was no sickness or disease in this world that God created. There was no hostility or war. There was no fear or depression. There was no hunger or poverty. There was no pain in childbirth. There was no death. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 record for us this colossal creative endeavor of God and the perfection of it. And it lasts a grand total of two chapters in the Bible. It's pretty awesome. The story quickly moves to what we call uh, 
in theology, we call it the fall of man. And, and if you know anything about the Bible, you know that Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and they eat this forbidden fruit. They, they disobey God and uh, it produces this ripple effect throughout all of humanity that, is, that has infected our world to the deepest level. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard of the term the butterfly effect. Has anybody ever heard of that term, the butterfly effect? It comes from this idea that a simple flap of a butterfly's wings can create a hurricane or something happening across the other side of the planet. Uh, this idea that there's, this is one single event that can set in motion a sequence of events that have enormous consequences. We see this in so many areas of our lives. We see how one small lie can snowball into a lie and another lie into a bigger lie and it can eventually destroy someone's life or destroy their career. Uh, we see how one bad part in your car can ruin an entire family vacation. Have you been there? <laughs> Maybe one slice of pizza completely ruined your night of sleep last night. If, you ever, if you've ever been on YouTube and you've seen some of these domino videos where person, just person pushes one domino and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dominoes fall in sequence. It's this butterfly effect. One change, one decision, one small action creates a ripple effect that affects so many things and so many people. And this one act of disobedience on the part of Adam was the ultimate Butterfly effect in that it affected all of human history with the consequences of sin. We see this in Romans chapter 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Romans chapter 5, verse 18. He says, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. That one sin was the butterfly effect. It was that ripple effect that went throughout all of human history. And because of that one sin, now we have sin and vice in our world. We have greed, lust, and rage in our world. We have dysfunctional and broken relationships in our world. We have disease and suffering and poverty and abuse and death in our world. And we see these effects in our world and we realize that our world is not as it should be. But that effect of Adam's sin extends even beyond it. It extends to our physical world as well. We see the consequences of his sin in the erosion and the decay and death in our physical world. Listen to what God says to Adam right after he sins. God says to Adam in Genesis 3, verse 17, he says, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, Though you will eat of its grains, by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. God says because of this sin, people throughout all human history will scrape and scratch the ground for food until the day they die. Our earth, our very planet, all of creation is broken and we see that the fruitfulness of God's creation is inhibited. Before the fall, we see in the Garden of Eden that man is the caretaker of all things. That uh, there is a, 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 a peaceful cohabitation between humans 
and wildlife. But we don't necessarily have that peaceful cohabitation anymore, do we? I wonder what it was like before the fall because uh, I look at uh, certain animals today and I say, I wonder what it was like being around that animal before the fall. Have you ever thought about snuggling up to a grizzly bear? (laughs) But I wonder if you could do that before the fall because there was peace and harmony. There was no decay. There was no destruction. There was no death. I wonder what the purpose of mosquitoes were before the fall. Before the fall, there was peaceful cohabitation between humans and wildlife, but that's not so today. Before the fall, there was no decay. The creative force of the creator brought everything from nothing. God created everything from nothing, and he created order from disorder. But if you've taken any sort of science class in high school in your life, you'll learn this thing called the law of entropy, right? What's the law of entropy? The law of entropy says that things tend to move towards chaos. Things tend to go from order to disorder. And I know this because if I step into my children's room 10 minutes after they have finished cleaning it, it has already become a whirlwind of destruction. Sorry, Amos. I told you it was going to happen. Right? Things tend to go from order to disorder. It's a result of the fall. And so we see that nothing lasts forever. We see this as we age. Our bones become brittle. Our eyesight becomes poor. We can't run as fast as we used to. We can't jump as high as we used to. We can't bend over like we used to. I'm at the point in my life, I know, I know I'm only 33, but I'm at the point in my life where I bend, when I bend over to pick something up, I think to myself, what else can I get while I'm down here? <laughs> when you buy something new, it doesn't stay new, does it? Now, it gets old very fast. It rusts. It decays. I'm at the point in my life where I will not buy a new car until all of my children are grown up and out of the house. It is not worth it. (laughs) We see this in society. Once vibrant organizations, businesses, and governments are now but a shadow of what they once were. And even if we get a glimpse of something good or we see something that is ordered and perfect and seems like it's moving in the right direction, it does not last forever. Things move from order to disorder because of the fall, entropy. The fall of man affects all of creation. But it's not the way that God intended. It's not the way that God intended. God created this earth, he created you and I, and he created everything else in this world to bring him glory and to bring him praise and to be a shining example of what the relationship of God and his creation could look like. But sin has destroyed that image. Sin has destroyed that reality. Sin affects all of creation. But I want to tell you this morning that just like sin affects all of creation, so too the gospel affects all of creation. Are you with me? 
Just like sin affects all of creation, so too the gospel affects all of creation. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5.18. Let's finish that verse. He says, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. What's Paul saying? He says, Adam's one sin was the butterfly effect that affected all of humankind and created that sin that has destroyed the perfection of our world. But Christ's one act of righteousness, which is what we preach through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that one act has now begun and is counteracting the work that happened when Adam first sinned. The person and the work of Jesus Christ as expressed through the gospel counteracts that butterfly effect of Adam's sin and brings redemption and promises restoration for our broken world. And it promises restoration that extends to all of creation. Now let's get to our main text here. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 18. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman church and he says here, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal in us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Now, some versions will say subjected to frustration. But God's curse, frustration, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Apostle Paul makes some significant statements in these verses. First, he says this. He says, the the suffering or the pain that you and I experience in life is nothing more than a reminder that we are living for a better life. The suffering or the pain that you and I experience in life is nothing more than a a reminder that this world is not our home, that this body is not in its final place, that this world we live in is not what it should be, but we're looking forward to a day when things will be as they should be. And so when we experience suffering or we experience pain in life, it's nothing more than a reminder. It's a reminder that this life is not what it should be. We're living for a better day. It's a reminder that the glory of the life to come far outweighs what we face now. And that's hard to see sometimes. It's hard to see when we look at the brokenness of our world, we look at the dysfunction of our own lives, and we see the effects of sin. But it's a reminder to us, God tells us, he says, it's a reminder that someday the glory that is to come will far surpass anything we experience or walk through today. He also says that creation suffers with us as we eagerly await for God to reveal who his children really are. Isn't that a great promise? That someday God is going to reveal who his children really are. And he says not only do we hope for that, every part of God's creation innately longs for its restoration. 
It's bigger than what we see and what we feel and what we, what we realize on a daily basis because, again, we're so self-consumed in our culture. But the truth is that every part of God's creation longs for the day of its redemption. It says, he says that full restoration will take place in our lives and it will coincide with the restoration of all creation as God intended it. He says the dysfunction we see in creation, we see death, we see disease, we see decay, we see uh, destruction, disaster, all of these things, they serve as a reminder that someday our redemption is coming. That someday our restoration will be complete. Sin affects all of creation. But the gospel, our good news, is at work now and points us toward the day when complete restoration will be realized. And so the work of Jesus Christ is, uh, as, it, as it works in our hearts, is aimed at salvation. It is aimed at transformation, but it's also aimed at restoration. God is restoring our hearts and our minds and who we are and all of creation back to the way he originally intended that we could be a creation that truly gives glory and praise to God to its fullest extent. We look forward to the day when Eden is restored, when harmony is restored, when that perfect relationship between God and his creation is restored and between God's creation and the rest of God's creation is restored. Listen, Listen to how the prophet Isaiah talks about this. He talks about the Messiah, and he talks about the work of the Messiah. Isaiah eleven six. he says this. He says, when, this, when the Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. This is how I interpret that verse. We get to snuggle with grizzly bears someday. <laughs> it's going to happen. There is going to be a restoration of what was once lost. There is a picture of our world that you and I, that we don't even see. There are things that are broken in our world that we don't even realize are broken. Think about the most beautiful things in all of creation that you can imagine. Niagara Falls. Maybe some of these, these uh, incredible landscapes of the mountains and lakes and, and all of these gorgeous, incredible, beautiful creations of God. All of those things still uh, radiate somehow the majesty of God, and yet they don't do it perfectly. Even the best things we have in all of creation fail to completely radiate the glory of God. There are things that are broken in our world that we don't even realize are broken. And someday, God says, he's going to restore all of creation to its full glory so that he can receive the highest praise from it. Sin affects all of creation, but so too the gospel affects all of creation. I'll have the worship team come. I've got three three, uh, thoughts for you as we close this morning. So why does this matter? Why does it matter? Why does it matter that, that the gospel affects all of creation? Three thoughts for you this morning on, on why that's important. First of all, when I understand that the gospel affects all of creation, 
Number one, it gives me perspective in my suffering. It gives me perspective in my suffering. My suffering and my frustrations only mirror the sufferings and frustrations evident in all of creation. And so as I become aware of this, I gain perspective. I understand that I'm not living for this life. I understand that I have hope beyond this life. Every time you and I are experience, every time we experience pain or suffering or difficulty or, or agony or frustration in this life, it should simply be a signal to our hearts and to our spirits, a reminder that we have a hope in a better life. And so it gives me perspective in my suffering. Secondly, it gives me an awareness of the creative power of God at work in me. God created everything from nothing. He created order from disorder. And he created this incredible, perfect world to give him glory and to give him praise. But sin has destroyed that. But the work of the gospel counteracts that sin. And the work of the gospel reminds me that the same power that was evident in creation, the same power that takes what's disordered and makes it order, the same power that takes nothing and makes it everything, that same power works in me. That same power is the power of the gospel working in me. Uh, an author, Elliot Wagoner, writes, she says, The gospel then is simply the creative power of God applied to men. And so when we understand that the gospel affects all of creation, it points me in a greater way to my creator. It points me to the understanding that the creative power of God, that power that is beyond what I can even see, that power that creates everything from nothing and order from disorder, that power is at work in my life. It's transforming me now. And I have a hope that someday I'll see that full realization. That someday I too, along with all of creation, will be restored to give glory and praise and honor to the God who created me in the way that he created me to give it to him. Amen. And finally, this truth gives me an appreciation for the magnitude of the sacrifice of Jesus. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ literally permeates every molecule and atom and particle in the entirety of creation. What an incredible thought. In Genesis, God's story starts with creation and moves quickly to the fall. But, but if we read all the way to the end of the book, we see in the book of Revelation that it ends with the restoration of God's creation as he originally intended. We're promised that someday those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, we won't have these bodies that are decaying and dying, but we're promised glorified bodies that cannot decay, that cannot die, that cannot experience pain or depression or suffering or hurt. We're promised a new society that is, that is void of sin, of greed, of anger, of lust, of malice, of abuse, of sorrow. We're promised a new society. And we're promised a new heavens and a new earth where God's creation is what he intended it to be from the beginning. 
And there's no more brokenness that keeps us from perfect harmony with our Creator. Listen to what God says in Revelation 21. He says this. It says, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. That is the creative power of God. The creative power of God that makes everything out of nothing. That brings order from disorder. That's the same power that's at work in your life and that's in work in my life as we've yielded to his Holy Spirit and as we allow him to do that in us. And it is working in us until that day when he perfectly makes it a reality. Our world is not as it should be because sin has affected all of creation. But the gospel affects all of creation too. And someday our world will be as it should be. And as we allow the creative power of God by his Holy Spirit to work inside of our lives, we begin to get a glimpse of that today. We begin to see that begin to become a reality in our lives now. And any pain or suffering that we experience in the meantime is nothing more than a reminder that we live for a greater day. Would you pray with me this morning? This morning as we close in prayer, there are three prayers I want to lead you through uh, in response to this truth. And just depending on where you are, I just encourage you to unite your heart with me as we pray. And the first prayer is this, is God, give me perspective in my pain. Father, this morning, I understand that there are many individuals in this room who are going through things that are just unbelievably painful deep sorrows and heartaches. Challenges that are beyond what we can even hope to handle. But God, we thank you this morning that you give us hope. That this life is not the end. It is not everything. But you are in the process of bringing all creation back to the place that you originally designed it to be. And that we live in the hope of that day. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would give us perspective in our pain. That you would allow us to see these sufferings as nothing more than a temporary trial. And, God, that the glory that you will reveal in us someday will far outweigh any of the anguish and suffering that we face right now. Give us that perspective today. Secondly, this morning, Lord, we pray that you would give us an awareness of your power at work within us. That you would give us an awareness of your power at work within us. Father, we thank you that you are the God who makes everything from nothing, that you're the God who brings order from disorder. And Lord, that your creative power is at work by your spirit in us each and every day. Father, we pray that you would allow us to continually submit our lives to you. That we would be aware, God, of how your spirit is working and moving and changing our hearts to be more like you. And God, that we would allow your creative power to form and reform our hearts into your image. As we desire to be the creations that you intended us to be from the beginning. Do that work in us. And finally, this morning, Lord, we ask that you would give us an appreciation for the magnitude of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Father, it's bigger than what we see. It's bigger than what we know and what we understand and what we realize. It is so much more. Father, this morning, broaden our horizons, broaden our understanding to your work 
God, may we see it in every detail of your creation, how your redemptive and restorative power is at work and is looking forward to the day of your return. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work of Jesus Christ, that work that transforms us every day as we look to you. Jesus, do that work in us today. Father, we thank you that your gospel affects all of creation, including me. In Jesus' name.